With the Restore 22 Coffee Roadshow podcast, our goal is to inform, inspire, strengthen, and engage the veteran community. We do this by promoting discussion, resources, programs, and events that can enhance their quality of life. Restore 22 Coffee Roadshow is a place where strangers become friends, where hurts are healed, and where faith is restored. Hello and welcome to the Restore 22 Coffee Roadshow podcast. I'm Christine Ree, Restore 22 Executive Director, and we're happy to be recording today at Friendship Perkin Brew, a veteran-owned coffee shop located at 300 South Pacific Avenue in Pittsburgh's Friendship neighborhood. I want to give a shout out to the people in the audience that are here today. We have some veterans in the crowd enjoying some great coffee and, and camaraderie. I'm sitting here right now with today's guest, Nick Redondo. Nick is the owner of this coffee shop and a Navy veteran. Welcome, Nick. Thanks for having us today. Thank you very much for coming. We appreciate it. We are so excited to be here. Thank you for taking a chance and inviting us for our first roadshow recording. We're just thrilled to be here, so thank you. the first of many more. (laughs) I hope so. So um, this is a great coffee shop. It has a little bit of a history to it, doesn't it? Yes, it does. So can you clue our listeners in on how this shop came to be? I mean, back in the beginning. Well, this was actually a grocery store when I was a young boy. It was my first job. And I used to work actually right back here where we are was a lunch meat counter. And I used to slice lunch meat and clean shelves and weigh out customers. And, but but uh, we, my family bought the building in 79, and it became a 7-Eleven. Oh. And it was a 7-Eleven for 22 years. And then uh, I, when I was in the Navy, I left right after my family bought this. I had this idea in 1983. I, we were off the coast of Beirut, Lebanon, and I thought, what would I like to do when I get out? And I love coffee. Yeah. And I thought a coffee shop would be a cool idea <laughs> before coffee shops were actually in vogue. Right. So, so uh, I always held that idea. Uh, and then 7-Eleven left around 2001, 2002. And then um, they subleased to a guy, and uh, I wasn't real happy with him as a tenant. So... So we went and didn't renew his lease, and I, my sister and I talked and went to the neighborhood groups and asked them what they wanted, mm-hmm. and they said they'd like to have a coffee shop, so that's what we did. You know, I had my, actually a, a dream, but it was a dream. It was a late dream, but we did it anyway. We'll fulfill a late dream, but... Uh, hey, you're never too old. No, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> never too old to follow your dreams. I have a husband who can explain that to you. Um, so this is fantastic. This is a great location in a great neighborhood. The friendship area is very friendly. And um, I look across the street and I see houses, so it's very residential. And um, the atmosphere is just cozy and comfortable. And it's a great place to come out and get a bite to eat or um, hang out with a cup of coffee. Uh, you sell more than coffee, though, don't you? Yeah, we have uh, breakfasts and, and lunches. And before COVID, we were doing all kinds of things. We, we had... Uh, Lecture, t- lecture series on Tuesday nights, all different topics, history, politics, mm-hmm. economics, healthcare. Wednesdays was indoor bocce. Thursdays was cooking demonstrations. Friday was trivia, and Saturday was jazz, and Holy Sunday cow. was brunch. But since COVID, it's been kind of a yeah. tough climb back. But we're getting there. We're working on it. We'll get there. Awesome. I know you will, because this is a great place, and it just has to happen. So... Um you mentioned a minute ago that you got the idea while you were serving. 
Right. So right. when did you enlist? I went in in 1979. I started training in uh, Pensacola, Florida, mm-hmm. uh, OCS in uh, 1979. And that was Navy? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And um, I, I went through AOCS, uh, started off as an aircraft navigator, but in the, in the SEPAR, was, I always got airsick. So, <laughs> so, they, so they gave me a choice to go to either Supply Corps or Ship Handling School. So mm-hmm. I, at least Ship Handling was more Navy than Supply Corps. And so I don't want to worry about people's toilet paper and ice cream. So I decided, well, <laughs> driving ships is much more Navy. So that's sure. what I did. <laughs> and how long were you in? Did four years active and 18 in the reserves. Wow. I yeah. didn't realize that. That's awesome. So um, where did you go during your career? I, I assume you had at least one deployment. Well, we, 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 uh, I started off Pensacola, went to, uh, made a, after that I went to, uh, made a North Atlantic deployment mm-hmm. uh, above the Arctic Circle back in 1981. And then I went to service warfare school in Newport, Rhode Island. And then from there, I went back to the ship, the USS Iwo Jima, the old LPH uh, number two. And uh, uh, from there, after I got off active duty, uh, we were in Beirut at that time, right before the bombing. And uh, I, I left the ship and, and I came back to the States and I joined the reserves two days later uh, because I knew if I didn't, I wasn't going to. But it, so I did an 18-year career in the reserves, and we went to Italy and Scotland and yeah. you know, all over all over the world, which was great. Uh, were, it, did, were you in near Beirut when the bombing happened? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did yeah. you have any uh, role in responding to that? No, I I was I got I left the ship right before the bombing occurred. Okay. Yeah. So, but yeah, I was right before we brought all of those guys over on the ship. Yeah. We brought them over. So. Wow. Okay. Um, did you enjoy your time in the service? Oh yeah, I, I had fun. I, I look back and it was funny because I look back and I, when I was driving the ship, I think to myself, "What in the world was the Navy thinking, letting me do this?" <laughs> so I guess they had a great sense of humor. How but old were you? Twenty-seven, oh, okay. I think. Mm-hmm. Twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven. Yeah, somewhere in there, mid twenties. But yeah, that was that was fun, and I I enjoyed. It. I had commands in the reserves, and we did you know build underwater mines that we used to use during the Cold War. Yeah, uh, we built. Um, we we did uh, uh, secrets and top secret communications in other units. We, we were I, I just it was great. I I enjoyed it, and I mean it wasn't always a wonderful day in the neighborhood, but uh, it was. Looking back after twenty two years, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, you know I enjoyed it. It was fun. Fantastic. What was the funniest thing you can remember? Tell me something funny about oh, your God. service. Something funny. Because a lot of times you know, people serve and it's tough and you, know, you see difficult things and you do difficult things, but it's not always that tough, right? There's some camaraderie well, that happens. Oh, yeah. And, there was always a lot of camaraderie because yeah. they put you all in the same, you know, you're the same situation. Yeah. And so you, you got to band together. And I think probably some of the funniest stuff was when I was in training because we were trained by the Marines. Oh, goodness. And, and they were hysterical. <laughs> I mean, some of their sayings were, you know, uh, were, just, were just funny. And mm-hmm. I won't repeat them here. But, <laughs> but, but it was funny. I mean, these guys were hilarious. It wasn't funny at the time. But when you look back, it was hilarious. We, we, <laughs> some of the stuff they did and said was, you, I just will repeat in, yeah. in company. <laughs> <laughs> Understood. <laughs> I think our listeners might thank you for that as well. <laughs> so like all veterans, though, uh, you probably had a lot of good memories of that time. Um, maybe and great some, friends, too. A oh, absolutely. And maybe some not so good. Um, for, for many veterans, though, these memories can make it hard to manage life sure. sometimes, right? Sure. Um, one of the goals of Restore 22 is to connect veterans with resources that can improve their quality of life. That's whether they're struggling with the effects of their service or if they're dealing with even unrelated uh, challenges. 
But you have a very personal story um, that affected you and your family. Yeah. And I yeah. know that you want to talk about that so that you can help others. So. Yeah, well, it was my oldest son. He, um, he wasn't a veteran, uh, but he, he's had a drug problem. Mm-hmm. And, and that problem, you know, he started off with a simple thing. And everybody thinks marijuana is a very simple drug and it doesn't, it's harmless. It's not a harmless drug. Right. And, and, and some people, once they turn that little thing on in their brain that says, I like this, they got to go to the next thing. And unfortunately, that was my son. Mm. And uh, he, he was a tremendous athlete. Loved by all by so many people, he was handsome as can be. He was a model. He modeled, mm. went over to Europe and modeled. Did some modeling for Abercrombie. Did some modeling for um, for uh, Rue Twenty One. His pictures were in malls all over the country, and uh, he was a great kid. But w- once he started down that road, it was a road he just couldn't stop. And and that's the problem with it. These, you know, uh, y- you go down this road thinking, oh, this is harmless, and all these politicians that want to like, um, they 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 want to. Uh, legalize marijuana. I think it's a stupid idea. I mean, it, let's find a better way to generate tax revenue than legalizing marijuana. Mm. I mean, let's be more creative than than that or like outlawing plastic bags like we do here in the city with all the issues we have. Um, so so as a result, that you know, Nick, he just couldn't beat it. And when he was down in Miami in the modeling world, and it's a very tough, fast, wicked world down there, and, and he got messed up with heroin. And yeah. it just was all downhill from there, in and out of rehab, uh, it was just it made it made life so hard because I had, you know, two and three o'clock in the morning. I'm driving through projects looking for my son. You know, I'm looking everywhere. I'm all over the place trying to find my son. And it was a horrible, horrible thing. And and it just changed his whole personality. And he went from this like loving person to like this, like sometimes really nasty, you right. know, and it was just sad. I mean, to see this guy who was just such a good person just day by day, just destroy himself and. And you couldn't stop. And you him. feel helpless. You can't. You're right. You, right. The only person that can help themselves is the addict and the mm-hmm. per, or the alcoholic or the person mm-hmm. who really comes to the point when they realize they need help. And they always say, "Well, that make them hit bottom." Well, bottom is a different place for everybody. Some people hit bottom and they keep going. And it's hard, I think, for you as somebody who loves him. Oh yeah. To let him hit bottom. Yeah. I mean, and we hear that that that, that that's. That's what has to happen. But as his parent, well, the one that thing that really, that really, on got, well, the one thing that really got yeah. to me was was uh, all these people who never dealt with an addict in their life, mm-hmm. but they had the solutions. <laughs> right. You know, oh, you're enabling, throw them in the street. That you know, I've heard that advice from all these people who never dealt with an addict in their life. You know, and and yet, uh, I, I've known people who thrown their kids in the street, and two hours later, their kid's dead. You know, so what did you solve? I mean, right. you do what you have to do. And did I enable at times? Of course I did, you know, but I did what I thought I had to do to keep my son alive. And that's all I could do. And that's you know? all anybody could ask, I think. I, I did what I could, you know, and, you know, I, somebody asked me, I did a talk one day, what would you do different? And honestly, I don't know what I could have done different. Mm. I really don't. I mean, because once, once, once the drug get in your system and, and you find out that it's something you really like, you're off to the races, right. you know, and it's, and it's, uh, you know, it's nothing I could control. I had no control. Like when I drove a ship, I had control. When I, when I, in civilian world, when I trained pilots, I had control of what was going on in my classroom. But with this, I had no control, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's the most frustrating part. You, you're trying to tell this person, look, you're killing yourself. You're destroying yourself and, and you have no control. And, and even though in their mind, in their heart, they know that you're right. They can't stop. You know, it's an addiction and they just can't stop. <laughs> Do you, you think know? you think he knew or do you think he, oh, no, was he in didn't denial? know he didn't okay. know we we were talking one night it was in August the, the year he passed away he passed away in November uh, 20th 
and uh, or 27th, I'm sorry. And um, he said to me, he said, Daddy goes, this stuff is a demon, and it haunts me all mm. the time, you know. And that's the problem with this stuff. Kids don't realize that this is just not a joke anymore. I mean, even today with marijuana, marijuana is laced with fentanyl. Right. It only takes less than two grams of fentanyl or milligrams, two milligrams of fentanyl to kill someone. There's, you know, if you, if you think about it, there's 20, there's 454,000 uh, milligrams in a pound, okay? So if it only takes two, two milligrams to kill a person, you're talking 270,000 people with one pound of, of fentanyl, okay? They're seizing on average 2,100 pounds of fentanyl a month in this country. That's enough to kill yeah. over 400 million people. That's you kinda, know, but for some reason, that's not a crisis. I don't yeah. understand. Over 100,000 people a year are losing, and, gee, that's not a crisis. That's really you know? hard to wrap your mind around. Yeah, it is. Right? I mean, it <laughs> yeah. really is. I mean, think, think of, like, Beaver Stadium completely packed, mm-hmm. and that's what we're losing more right. than that in one year. Yeah. And, and I don't understand why that's not a major issue in this country. So how did Nick's substance abuse affect your family? Oh, God, I mean... There was my my wife's friends are telling her, oh, he's enabling, he's enabling, he's, you know, and, and she's yelling at me because she wants me to solve the problem and I can't solve yeah. it. It's not a problem I can solve. You know, we we almost divorced because it was just but we had we pulled together finally. But but it was hard. It was hard on her. It was hard on his brothers. You know, my my youngest son saw things he should never have seen, mm-hmm. you know, and he loved his brother. But he used to get so angry every time he relapsed. He would get so angry at him. And that's, that was a horrible thing. It really was. I mean, it, you know, it, to, to see someone you love just diminish themselves and just and decline and you can't stop it, that's the hardest part. You're just totally helpless to stop it. And, and that's the thing. I just it was hard to just wrap my head around. I know this is still hard for you to talk about. That's all right. And I, I appreciate you telling the story and getting it out to people. So hopefully... Others can learn from your situation, but especially today, I know this is difficult for you. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's my son's. He'd be thirty-three years old if he were alive today. The, the thing that I want to tell anybody is like, if you have this problem, please get help. There's there's plenty of help out there. You know, please go get help. There, there, there's there's resources. There there's there's just so many things. And like you know, and the problem is, if you use drugs to cope with an issue in life. All you've done is create a second problem. Exactly. You know, you've got, and it, but that's a lifetime problem too. I mean, it's a problem you got to combat for the rest of your life. Yes. I mean, life sometimes can be wonderful, and sometimes it can be hard. It can be horrible. You know, but you just got to go out there and you got to deal with life because every adversity, if you if you deal with the adversity, you get stronger, you get smarter, you find out who your friends are, you get a little wiser. So that's what you have to do. You have to deal with adversity. You have to deal with hardship and heartbreak. Right. That's so, just called life. So don't trade your future no. for the immediate feel good, right? No, not at all. The immediate exactly. escape. Exactly. Because right. so. all you're doing is buying yourself another problem. Right. It's not worth it. And it's, you know, I remember going to school in elementary school and they would have the just say no yeah. you know, campaigns. And it's hard to understand for me that that there are still people who find themselves in these situations. Yeah, yeah. It, it, and like I said, today with with all the different things, there's fentanyl, there's xylazine, xylazine a horse horse tranquilizer, and and you know, it, it, this stuff is just so bad, and it's put in there to to uh, to to increase enhance the high, but but the problem is even Narcan won't touch it. Yeah, you know, once you go down that road, I mean, and the thing is, you don't know what you're getting. You have no idea what you're getting. China sends the raw materials over. The cartels produce produce it, send it up here. You know, why are, why are we doing business with China? I don't understand. 
You know, why don't we close our borders to these people? Why don't we say seize their assets? You know, they're killing over it's over 300,000 people in three years since my son died. What are we doing? What are we doing? And what's this administration doing besides nothing? You know, I feel for the border guys. I feel for the DEA agents, mm-hmm. you know, but it's an administration. Why are we not tackling this problem? Don't tell me in America we can't do it. Don't tell me in America we can't solve these problems. The problem is there's too much money being made. And exactly what the problem is. Too many folks are making money, whether it's crooked politicians, judges, law enforcement, business people. There's a lot of money being made. And, I, you know, it just angers me that people, I, you know, these people just, they'll, they'll trade their souls for money. Mm-hmm. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. What you do to destroy people's lives because somebody young, in their youth makes a bad decision. It's, it's terrible. You, you, you make, we all have made stupid decisions in our lives. Every one of us can look back and say that. But, but when you make that decision, that's just a bad, bad decision. Well, I'm going to ask you to pause here because we're going to join. Uh, we're going to have Dr. Karen Plavin join us. Karen is somebody that you met who helped you through this difficult time. Yep. And yep. I'm looking forward it's to still helping. Yes, yes. still helping. So for our listeners, uh, stay tuned. But before we go, if you're a veteran in crisis or concerned about one, call the Veterans Crisis Line by dialing 988 and pressing 1 to reach a qualified VA responder 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. The call is free and confidential, and you do not have to be enrolled in VA benefits to receive help. You can also receive assistance by texting 838-255. That's 838-255 to text or dialing from your phone 988 and pressing 1. Nick, I want to thank you for having us oh, here thank today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I want to remind our listeners that you can learn more about Restore 22 and our goal of opening a nonprofit coffee shop focused on veterans and their needs by visiting our website at restore22.org. While you're there, we would love it if you would make a donation or purchase from our store. Also, follow us on Facebook and Instagram under the handle at Restore22Coffee. That's Restore22Coffee. I want to thank our listeners for tuning in today. Have a great day.